Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in the study that we're doing through the New Testament. Um, together, we're working through it a chapter or two at a time. Uh, and uh, sometimes we do half a chapter. Most of the time we do a chapter. Tonight we're doing two chapters. But then in the next couple of weeks, I want to break down the second half of 2 Corinthians 5 and spend a couple of weeks just on it because um, 2 Corinthians 5 verses 11 through 21 kind of holds our mission statement in it. And so I thought we would dig through those verses a little slower than we do some of the others as we're working through. Um, it's been a few weeks since we've been together in 2 Corinthians. I, uh, I was gone one week and then the last week I was up in the... Uh, at the Satellite Church in Ocala, uh, doing well. I taught up there. We had a good time um, being with our uh, our friends up there. And the church is doing well. And, and uh, everybody told me to say hi and that they appreciate you guys uh, um, uh, helping them and praying for them. And they're praying for us. So it was a, it was a good time to go up and hang out. So... Um, uh, we haven't been in Second Corinthians uh, together for the last couple of weeks now, so it'll be the third week. Thanks, uh, Fran did a week and Barry did a week. Thank you guys for filling in for me and taking care of that. And I heard they did good. Everybody lets me know that uh, that uh, they like you and Fran and Barry, so that's cool. Uh, in the last study that we did, we looked at Second Corinthians 2 and 3. And um, Paul was making some very interesting comparisons between the Old and the New Covenants. And Paul contrasted his ministry, a New Covenant ministry, with the ministry of Moses. And we, we talked about um, this, this, the picture he was painting, that, that the Old Covenant had a fading glory that couldn't be compared to the splendor of the New Covenant ministry. And that what Paul was talking about when he talked about a New Covenant ministry was the inner transformation that takes place in Christ through the Holy Spirit in our lives. That we're being transformed um, by the Holy Spirit and that He's working in us and changing us. And that uh, the Old Testament um, ministry didn't have that same available power to change lives. Uh, And in verse uh, 12... Of Second Corinthians uh, three. Therefore, since we have such a hope, Paul, uh, Paul said, the hope of transformation and change in Christ. We are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. And I like that we talked about that. Um, you know, Moses uh, was dealing with a very difficult group of people with, as well. And, and I think Paul is, is picking on that a little bit because the Corinthians are a hard group. And uh, it's it's interesting to note that Paul is talking about the this new covenant ministry the. Transforming ministry of the Holy Spirit, uh, and he's having to talk about this to a group that, of all the churches, seems to be the one that's transforming the slowest or the, the least because they have a lot of issues that we've been talking about. And uh, and so, um, as Paul is dealing with them, he's he's talking about Moses, who was dealing with a very stubborn group of people, the Israelites, uh, you know, on their wilderness journey. And so Moses would go and hang out with God. And when he did, um, there was actually this, this glow that came off of him for a while uh, after being in the presence of God, however that worked, that he would, he would actually glow to, a, to the point where people could see it. There was this radiance that was on Moses. And uh, I said to you that the people listened more intently to Moses when he was glowing, as you can imagine. Because uh, if, you know, if, if I was glowing right now, although in this camel, camel light, I almost am. So... Um, 
But if it was more than my clothes that were glowing, um, you would probably have a tendency to listen more intently than, than regular. So Moses, what would happen is, though, that would fade over time. If he wasn't always hanging out the way he should, that radiance would fade. And, so, um, and then the people would start to give him a hard time again. So he would put a veil over his face so people couldn't tell that the radiance had faded. And, and Paul is saying that's how it was, but, but now the new covenant ministry, the ministry having Christ, isn't about um, that outward thing. It's about what's happening on the inside and that, um, that what Paul begins to talk about in Second Corinthians, which is such a fascinating chapter, is his weaknesses. He becomes very transparent and real um, with the people in Corinth in telling them the struggles and things that he, were, he was going through. Um, and, and so... He's saying that uh, he won't hide behind any veil or any pretense. And he's going to allow the Corinthians and everyone else to see who he is in Christ so that they'll be able to still see Jesus in him. See, that's the deal. Is that what we're hoping for is that in, in the ministry that God has given all of us is that it's really, it's not about us. It's that people can see Jesus in us. And so in order to see that, they, we often have to be very transparent. Or they, you know, if we... Um, it's not impressive to act like you have it all together because you don't. Because none of you do. And I love you all, but you don't. I don't. Um, what people see in us is that, that, that Jesus is working in us and is doing stuff in us in the process. And that's what Paul was saying uh, that is so important that he was working in us and through us. The Lord was in spite of our weaknesses. And, and so that's kind of the backdrop for what's happening as we, uh, as we continue on in our study and uh, I got to get this page up my brain was not fully formed as I started 2 Corinthians 4 is uh, what we're going to look at today 4 and 5 and we're going to start and so uh, I'm going to read those to you today and um, sorry I'm getting the font bigger again on this one Chapter 4 has 18 verses, and then we'll read chapter 5, which has like 21 verses. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 and uh, following. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that it cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That's a pretty important verse. Um, and um, you, you need to note that the God of this age, just the little g God of this age, they're, they're talking about the evil one there. And that is part of what he does is he blinds people to the truth and you can see it everywhere. Uh, and it's very apparent. So it's the, the little G God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. For we do not, verse 5 says, preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So, so the enemy is blinding people, trying to keep them in darkness, but God is moving in the ministry uh, of uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit and, and uh, the gospel uh, are all there to introduce light into the darkness so that people can see the truth. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And there's Paul again saying, 
but, but we're just human vessels and we have weaknesses. It's not about us. It's about Him working through us. Verse 8, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We also carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that His life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us. But life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. That's another good verse to kind of... (laughs) You relate to that one more as you get older. (laughs) Outwardly we are wasting away day by day, but we're being renewed inwardly by the Spirit. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And he continues on in chapter 5. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, long to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. And now it is God who has made us for this very purpose, and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to, to, uh, prefer to be away from the body and home with the Lord, so we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. I want to stop there um, and, and talk about those things and then next week we're going to come back and pick it up at verse 11 and spend a couple weeks on it. Because, uh, and if you get a chance, read 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21 uh, over a couple of times the next couple of weeks because it, it contains in it sort of the basis for what we believe God has called us to as a mission and, and for, uh, it's very foundational to the life that we have um, in Christ because that's where life is found. So let's talk about um, chapter 4 and then the, the first half of uh, chapter 5 together. And then we'll, we'll get ready. We'll be ready for next week when we move along. So, uh, as I said, you know, in the introduction, Paul's concept of new covenant ministry was about the transformation for believers by the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And uh, as I also said, it's, it's interesting that this whole concept is set against the backdrop of the Corinthian church, which is one of the tougher um, crowds that Paul was ministering to uh, in the process. And, and yet Paul has tremendous confidence in the church, uh, in the Corinthian people in the church, for what God is going to do in them. And, and that's, this confidence is really what he's talking about. So in those first um, six verses or so of 2 Corinthians, he's, he's saying this, and this is good to know, it's ultimately not on him to change people, Paul says. 
It is God who's the source of all change in the human heart, and Paul has confidence in God. See, this is really good for all of us in relationship, um, in in relationships, particularly where um, we're sort of looked to to lead and guide. You know, relationships with uh, with our with our children, and relationships with uh, uh, people, maybe uh, employees or uh, other relationships, um, where where we have a, a sort of a leadership role. Um, because what Paul does is free us up to the fact that that people um, uh, that we can trust God to change people that it's not on us to make everybody change because if we take that on it, you you quickly will lose your mind because uh, you can't do it you don't you don't have the, the wherewithal to make people change only God does so Paul's there saying look um, I love all you guys and and we we know we're pushing you know heading you in the right direction but it's on God up to God to change you and and God will if you if you're loving God God will change you and and so he's moving him in that direction so he's saying look my confidence is what God can do through the Holy Spirit in transforming your lives and then uh, in verse 7 through 14 again he he talks about uh, his own limits and weakness and that he was in fact a jar of clay huge thing that he's saying he's saying look because um, uh, remember the attacks that he comes under all the times are by these false prophets and stuff who are acting like they have it all together and Paul's saying that that's why you don't want to trust them because nobody has it all together what you need to see is the Lord working in and through us and that um, it's it's you know he says look uh, I want to be vulnerable before you so that you can see Jesus at work in me. And then he reemphasizes the point that it's the, the, the Holy Spirit who's at work in us. The very power that, that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in the hearts and the lives of believers. That's pretty intense stuff. So, Because so, sometimes I think we get extremely frustrated at how slow we make progress sometimes. I don't know if anybody else does. Uh, and how hard, but you know, it's it's uh, we forget that it's not on it's not our willpower. It's mostly just learning to yield to His power and allowing Him to make those changes in the process of our lives. And sometimes we get um, we we pray for people because we we desperately want to see some change in their life, and we get frustrated and we get tired. But it's we just keep hanging on because the 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 opportunity is there. Because for those who know Christ, the power that that raised Jesus from the dead is available to them to change their lives. And so he brings that up. And then in verses 16 through 18, he says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Because of all that, that's good news. We don't lose heart. We can trust in God. Paul's confidence for the church in Corinth resides in his belief in Jesus and that resurrection power working by the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. And so he says, So what we have to do, because of all that, is we want to focus our attention not on the temporal or the temporary, but the eternal. And uh, if you've been coming here, you've heard us talk about that a lot. I had this thought, too, the other day when I was preaching. Whenever I talk about... I can't go off camera. Whenever I talk about the temporary and eternal in church, for some reason I've got myself now looking at two different spots. And that spot over there in front of that chair is the temporal spot. And that spot over there in front of that chair is the eternal spot. I have no idea why. But every time I... And I did it just then, too. The temporal... And the eternal, and uh, I'm, I'm, that has nothing to do with anything. So, uh, if you're sitting there, you're in the temporary chair, and if you're over there, you're in the eternal chair. I'd go for that one. Um, 
18, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Paul's saying, look, because the Holy Spirit is at work in us, we have to quit looking at everything in the temporal way that we tend to look at it, which is, we, you know, you've, you've never changed. I don't think you're ever going to change. And, and, you know, we need to see. But, but God is at work, and the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives if we trust in Him, and He's able to make changes, and He makes changes in us. But even in us, it takes longer than we would like. And so it's, we have to start having a different concept. That's what we've been talking about, about the way we view the, the life that we live and, and have a confidence and a trust in God and that God is able to touch people and change people and work in their lives and to trust Him. And that frees us then from trying to change them ourselves to loving on them and allowing the Spirit of God to work through that to change them because that's what makes an impact. It does. That's where the impact comes from. It's never... Um, I can tell you I've never been successful in trying to change anyone ever but loving people well enough that they get it that God loves them has changed lots and lots of people and that's just his that's what he does not what we do so we have to grab a hold of that now those next uh, that little chunk of 2 Corinthians 5 the first 10 verses he, he continues on in this discussion of the temporary and eternal. I want to bring it up again. We've touched on it before and uh, several times, but I, I, it's, it's worth bringing up for us to get a hold of this. Um, Paul is saying, look, what's coming, the eternal, is better by far. But while we're here in the temporary, in Christ, this is still the best life available is the life that we have in Christ. There's no better deal in the universe, no better deal on the planet. This life, while you're here in the body, the best life available is that which we have in Christ. Um, regardless of what you're going through, that's the best life available. There's something better coming. And, and, and in some measure, we have to balance that into our lives, that we're eternal uh, beings and that we have uh, promises awaiting us, a whole life awaits us, where there's no more pain and there's no more sorrow and there's no more death and there's no more tears. I mean, it sounds pretty good. I mean, if you've read some of those things, you think, well, that's pretty cool. You know, God himself is the light and, and uh, it's going to be awesome. You know, and I hope that your impression of the internal isn't that you kind of hang out in the cloud playing a harp, because I don't think that's right. Because that doesn't seem like something to really look forward to. To me, I get bored with that for a little while. Plus, I don't know how to play the harp. Um, <laughs> so I'd be at a great disadvantage to people who did. Now, so, um, you know, this life that lays ahead of us is just... its a, I mean, you need to know, this is, it's a re- renewed, restored life back to the way things were when he first created them. And, and uh, you know... New bodies that, that don't age or break down or anything. No sin. Just hanging out with God. You're going to worship. But I think that we do. The church does. The church is already doing um, the things that we long to do. And we get taste of that. See, that's, see, part of the reason that we get together is that it's a taste of what, what's coming. You know, fellowship and worship and all those things are tastes of what's coming all the time. But it's going to be so cool. Um, because all the mess gets taken out, so we get a, we get a taste of those things. But you'll you'll be living this amazing life with God. Um, that's just you know. That, that we, I don't even think we can fully. And obviously, we can't fully comprehend. But once you come to Christ, there's a longing inside of you for that. It's there because it, it's it's supposed to be there. God wants it to be there. What's coming is better than what you got. Even though it's the best deal going. What's coming is better. And so we have this longing for heaven. He talked about a groaning that happens. Now, 
that's within each of us. Um, we know deep down, even though we can't always put our, our thoughts around it or, or you know, get our ideas wrapped around it or whatever, um, that there's something better than we're experiencing. A lot of times we'll try and take that feeling then and, and just channel all of our energies into the temporary to see if we can't fix it ourselves, to see if we can't make everything right, to make everything uh, work the way it does. But the problem is no matter how hard we try, we can never make everything work out in the temporary. You just never can. And if you've tried, you've pursued it your whole life, you know that there's always something that's... It's very easy to have if, that if, well, it's just all I need now is this to happen and then everything's, then it's going to be perfect. And it just isn't. Because you, you can't fully achieve it. There's always something a little, little better. So there's this thing in us, this longing, and, and that often will, if we don't get a hold of what it is, then we'll try and fill that emptiness with things that are very temporary and not good for us. There's just a longing for heaven that won't be satisfied this side of heaven. It's part of being a believer. It's just part of the deal. It's not a bad thing. You just have to understand what it is and then quit trying to fix it. You live in a broken world, a fallen planet. Some things are broken. And and they just can't be fixed. This side of heaven. It's part of the deal. It's not a bad thing. It's just it's part of this life. And, and, and so knowing that will free you from the frantic pace of trying to fix things that can't be fixed. Um, and so then, then we don't, not trying to fix that all the time will help us live by doing the next right thing because we won't out trying to do stuff all the time to fix that emptiness that we just can't fix. And so we have to hold onto that concept and, and remember that's part of what's going on. The longing for heaven can't be satisfied this side of heaven. You'll get it. Uh, you, like I said, you'll get taste of heaven that will keep you going. And we have hope that all these things are happening and this is the best life we can have. But there's always going to be something better that's out there. Um, and we need to be aware of that. So, since we can't fix it, then what we have to do is embrace this longing and, and, and realize that everything here is broken, including us. A lot of people struggle with that. It's a fallen world. Everything here is broken. Remember that verse I read to you in chapter 4? The little g God of this age? He's, he's making a fuss, too. So it's, it's all broken here. The kingdom is here. We've been talking about that, but not fully here. And so we are experiencing all this stuff that's going on all the time. So everything is broken. So instead of taking the, the, the idea that everything is broken personally, which is what we usually do, which gets us in trouble, we, what we need to do is just understand it's a reminder that we've got something better coming. That's, that's what it's supposed to do to us. Rather than make us crazy, get frustrated, get angry, get all the things that we tend to get when something's broken, we should just be pointed back to the fact, hey, there's something better waiting. And, and uh, it is broken. I'm glad. So, so don't always get there right away. But what we should get to when something is broken, instead of why does this bad stuff always happen to me, is, well, I'm sure glad I got Jesus. Because how do people do it without him? That's what it should take us to. Wow, this is really tough. But I, I know, I'm so glad I got Jesus. See, and that's, that's the reality that we live in. So, uh, this is, is, Paul is talking about all this in the temporary and the eternal. And, and um, don't, you know, keep, don't keep on sinning by trying to be like God uh, in, your, in, in fixing things that can't be fixed. See, that's we, we try and act like we're Him when we're not, okay? And so, uh, so don't turn to there. Just allow those things, the hard things even, to, to point you back at the fact that you, you have an eternal life with God that's coming, where everything will be set right. Right now, there's going to be some hard things that we deal with, some tragedies, but we don't have to think that it's all, you know, well, why does this stuff happen to me? Or I'm being punished or something. Uh, that's not what it looks like in the process. 
And so you need to hang on to that. And uh, and then, like I said, we're gonna we're gonna talk about in verses 11 through 21 um, our mission because it all comes from there. And, uh, and and so we're gonna dig into that over the next few weeks. But one last thing before I close, verse 10, pretty interesting verse because it talks about the judgment seat of Christ, chapter five. And I have uh, people who have this idea that I want to speak into a little bit just as we close. And I'll give you my idea, and uh, you can wrestle around with it for a little while. Some people tell me they think that, that when everything's done here and they, they're standing before the Lord, that there's this giant video screen that's going to play everything that they've ever done in their lives, all the bad stuff. And they have this actual concept that there's this thing going on in the background and it's going to be a really tough time. They're going to be you know, sad and, 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 and you know, embarrassed and ashamed. And, and I, a lot of people really struggle with this deal. Let me tell you what I think happens for believers... Um, when we when we go and stand before the Lord, which, which we all do, um, all the bad stuff that you've done got taken care of at the cross. It would be seemingly redundant to me for it to be brought back up again. If you've asked for forgiveness for those things, it's been forgiven. That's that's the gospel. That's the good news. You've been forgiven. I don't think it gets all dug up again. I just don't. It's done. I think what happens when we're there with Christ is that as believers, then um, there's this reward system that is talked about in the New Testament for the things that we do once we've come to Christ and the way that we utilize the gifts and the talents and the things that he's given us. And it talks about crowns being handed out and everything. And, of course, the, your reaction, when if you get one of those, you give it right back to Jesus anyway because you know, oh, that's yours. Uh, and, you, and you throw it back at his feet because you're like... You're in front of Jesus, and you get it. But the deal is, that's what I think happens there. It's not a bad, painful, shameful thing. It's just, okay, you know, you're forgiven, and what did you do with this, the gifts and the talents I poured out to you in Christ? And he looks at him, and he's going to love you, just, you know, he loves you, right? And so that, that, that's what's going on there. Um, why that's important and why I say that is it springs into verses 11 through 21, which then talk about what our mission is here what we're supposed to be doing with the talents and the gifts and all the neat stuff that he's given us because we've got it and we're eternal beings and he's set us free and we're forgiven what that should happen and then you know it encourages us to get off of the seen and onto the unseen to not be consumed by the temporary but to be pointed at the eternal living here in this broken world but but seeing it as an opportunity to allow the spirit of God to move through us and in us to make a difference and so that's what we're going to dig into and I think that's what Paul sets up for so well in those verses and that's what he's talking about so uh, that's where I'm going to leave it today and uh, giving you several things to think about over the next week and I hope you will if you're watching by video or on television thank you for spending these moments with us we appreciate you doing that we know how valuable your time is and so thank you for sharing it with us today if you have any questions or need anything go to our website keysvineyard.com get a hold of us we'll see what we can do But we're going to close here with prayer today.